Hello, and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast where I, your host, Matthew Whitby, sit down with people all across the tabletop RPG and, shockingly enough, the DMs Guild uh, space. And this week, I'm, I'm honoured to be joined by Beth Ball. Hello. Hello. Thank you, thank you so much for joining me. How, how are we doing today? Doing pretty well. It's nice and toasty over here, well, inside, and then ice is melting outside, so... Awesome. Yeah, it's like that. Eventually, the warmth of the inside will radiate out, and and it'll be, it'll be that sort of like you know the in those all sort of like animated films when the evil ice curse gets lifted. Yes, and, and it just melts yeah. and everything, everything everything is magically green again, despite being frozen. Like you just kind of hand wave all the sort of logistics of plants being frozen for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> they, there's no mud. It's just green and perfect. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I realized. Yeah, I'm now envious of a animated world immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but but that aside, uh, so for the people listening, then, um, what are what are some of the things that they might know you for, or you know, what, what sort of things? That, uh, yeah, what would you get up to? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I think I'm best known for my work for D and D Duet, um, where my husband and I write one-on-one adventures for D&D. We have several listed on DM Skilled. We have some listed on our own website and on Drive-Thru RPG. And we write, in addition to the adventures, advice for people playing D&D in the one-on-one style. No, it's it's, it's kind of, I must admit, the, I, I, I do love the kind of attention that um, uh, D&D Duet and, and just like the idea of like these kind of uh, one-on-one sessions. I, I imagine it is, it's, I guess in your, I guess again, in, in your expert opinion, how, how different would you say writing an adventure for a duet is compared to, you know, a slightly more broader sort of, more, I guess like, um, yeah, a group one shot comparatively? Yeah, I think that there are different considerations that are important for the designer to keep in mm-hmm. mind. Um, but there are also some things that I think you can do more of in a one-on-one one shot than you can or in perhaps a group adventure. So for me, it's always really important to have a strong, vibrant NPC so that the PC has someone to interact with. Um, We we always suggest for people, if they're playing one-on-one, to have a DMPC of some kind because you need someone for the, oh, there's the dog. Uh, You need someone for for the player to interact with and talk to. And I think that helps with immersion, but perhaps in a one shot, someone might, you've got the quest giver, here you go, go on this adventure. In a duet game, I think it's more likely for that NPC to go with the party Mm -hmm. or at least interact with them more. So that's something to keep in mind. We also have, and maybe it's it's more from our website than is true for one-on-one D&D in general, but we have lots of new DMs and new players coming in and playing in this particular way. And so I think that that's something that's important to keep in mind too, mm-hmm. is how can you kind of foster and help a new DM who maybe isn't going to be so comfortable scaling a combat kind of in the moment and so kind of giving them those ideas. So for a, a one-on-one game, my PC always has a sidekick or someone with her. So if I were playing someone else's adventure, I'm coming in with two characters. That's going to be a really different scale than somebody who's coming in with just their one wizard versus Mm -hmm. their one barbarian. And so there is necessarily that kind of range. And I know that's true for parties too, but I think that giving scaling tips and some of the flexibility that you as the designer are aware of as you're putting it together can really help 
DMs just in general, but especially new DMs and new players. Yeah, and I imagine again the 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 strong suggestion of having like a sidekick is the fact that that can kind of be quite flexible to kind of uh, accommodate for the like the player's weaknesses. So because yes. I, I imagine I know there are this sort of like one uh, the one on one sort of um, adventures where it's kind of preset with like you you are this particular class or you know you are. Whereas obviously letting the player bring any character to the table, if there's like a series of locked doors and the player is, I don't know, not a thief or a rogue, then they're, they're probably gonna have a bit of a hard time. But then having this sidekick to kind of swoop in and be like, oh yeah, no, I've got like, you know, 50 lockpicks that I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try to do that of like, there's an NPC nearby who has, or, you know, very, oh, surprise under this rock, there's a lockpicking catch. Yeah figure it out you know <laughs> i just i just like the idea that was it there's, there's someone's house out there who instead of having like a key under like their doormat they just have a lock picking kit but like in, <laughs> in the event that like they, they've lost their keys they're like oh i guess i'll just pick the lock <laughs> goodness i left this here <laughs> so i'm curious then so so when when did the whole sort of um i guess like writing uh sort of one-on-one adventures start for you so it started in um, late in 2018. So the first adventure that we published on DMs Guild was actually a slight revision of the first adventure that my husband wrote for me to kind of teach me how to play one-on-one. I'd been very resistant to D&D. I knew I wouldn't like it. And then of course I loved it. But he created this adventure based on kind of the three pillars of play where we've got the kind of the RP, we have some exploration and we have a combat. And then in the second part of that adventure, put them together. And we were seeing so many people posting on Reddit, for example, asking for help with playing one-on-one. And it was like, okay, well, maybe we maybe we could help them. And so we put that adventure together and first published it in January of 2019, which was the same month that we launched our website. So those two things have kind of grown together. Oh, God, nice. And and then I believe as well, what is it? The uh if if again to if I've done my research correctly, I believe what is it? So you participated in the RPG writer workshop to yes, start writing some solo content as well. Or just mm-hmm. I mean, I guess like again, not as not as uh I, I guess would you call like a lot of the adventures you do with, with your partner are those sort of like DD duet adventures and then some of the adventures you've written by yourself are just like solo but like or is it all kind of part of the DD duet brand? I'm, I'm... That's a good question. I see them all as the D&D duet brand, though with the ones that I've written by myself, I did make more of an effort to kind of branch out and see maybe this could be played in groups, but I think that so much of our other stuff is oriented for one-on-one, then I was like, no, that's fine. We'll just play it as a duet, and if you want to run it another way, go for it. Yeah, I must admit, that's the thing, I suppose it is the case of like with D&D like duet style adventures, it is probably easier to scale up than it is to take an existing adventure and scale down. Um, yes. And, and so I'm, I'm curious then, so, so what was what was kind of the, um, uh, I, I don't suppose you want to talk about your kind of first, uh, your, your first adventure, your first pub- publication? Sure, I would love to. It's called First Blush. And um, we actually just published a really big revision of it at the oh. end of this past year, because uh, we've learned so much over the course of writing and 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 publishing and especially having so many people play through it places where people were getting stuck and so we did a really big revision slightly moved where it is in the forgotten realms and so i'm working through a revision of the two adventures that come after that right now but it basically you start in a castle 
and um, you're kind of running around for a little bit and then you get magically teleported somewhere where you weren't expecting and awaken an ancient warrior. Oh, and, and then everything kind of unfolds from there. <laughs> yeah. No, so, so so and then I get I, I know with what is it so with D&D, I believe you take kind of like turns with the DMing and sometimes being the player, you kind of pass it back and forth. Um, I'm curious about like, is is there any? Um, I guess like, are there any telltale signs that is like like that you? Well, what is my question? Is is, is <laughs> the like. I guess, what would you say are like some of the attributes of your DMing style, I suppose? Okay, so for me specifically, there are going to be lots of natural themes and I try to write really immersive, intriguing settings because I really want the setting itself to be, you're in a magical world, it should be almost a character in and of itself. And so whenever I have the opportunity to bring something like that in, whether I'm DMing or designing, that that's going to be on the table, I guess. Um, and because I'm really interested in natural themes and especially the power, the imaginative power of RPGs to help us re revisit and, and revise the way that we see the world around us and our connection to it. And so um, playing one-on-one -on -one is such a connective experience. It's a way of um, interacting really deeply with the person across the table from you. Um, the RP, for instance, can be really, really deep. And I think it gives you more character-driven e options. Mm -hmm. And so from there, um, I don't know, now, I, now I've gone off on a tangent from your question, but definitely the environment. And then um, I love when, as a DM, having really deep RP uh, mm -hmm. with with the player. And so um, Jonathan, my husband and I have a stream, the IDM, but then our game at home, he's almost always the DM for. So we have kind of two separate sets of characters. Yeah. It will switch occasionally, but usually keep them separate. Oh, so then I guess, so again, I don't know if this is, uh, do you think your, um, your focus on themes could be at all related to the fact that you know you're, you're something of a published author. <laughs> I get it. Maybe pulling the strings here. I don't, I don't know. No, I definitely see them as as connected. And um, my novels actually came out of my or out of that first adventure really? and DMing and everything. Yeah, um, it was. I I got so involved in my character as a player, and I wrote all these side things for her and. Um, almost like journals and kind of her thoughts on things that were happening as a way of kind of digging deeper into them. And I looked at this little, not little, it, this kind of significant body of work. It was one of the longest things I'd ever written. And I had all these different documents. We had letters that the characters had exchanged back and forth. And my whole life, I wanted to be a novelist. And so I'm looking at it and I was like, oh, I have a hundred thousand words of random things here. I could sit down and put together a hundred thousand words deliberately. And so, um, yeah, the the D and D actually led to, or in the increase in confidence, I think, from publishing on DM Skill, being part of the DM Skill community, writing for our blog, kind of led me to this lifelong quest of being a published author. Wow, that's again, it, it's always amazing to hear those sort of like stories of D and D as as like a positive gateway. Um, yes. And I suppose there's also the thing of like, you know, when people join your table, it's like, I've written a little bit of backstory and then <laughs> you have to slide a few <laughs> novels across, across the table. Like, I just had a little bit of spare time. Um, no, that, that's, that's, that's incredible. Um, so then 
I guess, I guess then talking maybe a little bit more broadly then about kind of like your creative process then. So when it comes to sitting down for, uh, I guess, anything, is, is there anywhere in particular that your ideas kind of stem from? Yeah, so I feel like I spend a good portion of the day when I'm not writing or working, just kind of daydreaming. And so that's where the ideas or characters kind of come from. They tend to be, whether it's the, a novel or an adventure, for me, it tends to start with a character or a scene. So I'll get kind of the emotion of a person in a particular place and then things evolve from there. Um, I tend to do some Pinterest research. Um, I have like all these fantasy characters saved already so that I can kind of pull from them if I need to or if I'm looking for something more specific that I don't have saved, I'll kind of delve into that a little bit and just kind of see what stands out and so it for me it starts really visually and then um, I just kind of sit down and start writing and put down whatever is kind of it sounds like woo woo but whatever's coming to me I put yeah. down and then um, depending on the length of the thing if it's a D&D adventure I put down as many things as I know and kind of a loose template and then when I get stuck I go back to an outline and kind of figure out okay, how are people going to get from this scene to this scene to this scene? And for the for the novels, it's similar where I write the scenes that are kind of there that day or the things that I'm kind of excited about. And I, I keep like a journal, it's just sitting right here from writing this morning. I keep a journal like right here for jotting down notes or ideas or questions for myself. And so then the things that I get stuck on in design or, or in fiction writing just kind of put in the back of my mind and let that work on it because I know at some point those problems are going to be solved and then I can write yeah. them down yeah no 100% and yeah I feel like there's when it comes to at least again I can't speak for novel writing uh, but in terms of adventuring it does feel like there's, there's a few different like schools of design where you can kind of go for almost like set piece uh, mm -hmm. and, and again I can imagine especially for um, like duet style adventures it's kind of important to have those sort of like natural like peaks um, and Alternatively, there is, a, I think the ones I can think of is, is you have set piece design, you have like character led design, and then you kind of have the more sort of open kind of sandboxy uh, mm -hmm. side of things. But and it kind of sounds like very much um, kind of leaning towards the set piece with kind of ca character driven set pieces, I suppose, <laughs> if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way, but I, I think that it's kind of like, here's a scene and then here's a scene and here's a scene. Is That's absolutely how I, I go about the design work. I would love for it to be really sandboxy, but it's just just not how my brain works, I don't yeah. think. No, I, I must admit as well, as again, eventual, uh, adventures in particular, they do they do have to have some constraints. Um, mm. and, and again, that's kind of what actually like, one way I kind of visualize like sandbox type adventures, it is uh, basically just a number of set pieces just with distance between them. And there's less yeah. of a, like a, a linear thread through them in the fact that you just go from set piece to set piece. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, is there is there any sort of like um, out of everything you've kind of done so far, is there like a particular scene that kind of stands out as like one of your personal favorites? Yes. Um, and it's actually, so um, I was thinking through this character for my, for the novels, mm -hmm. but 
she also kind of ended up in one of my favorite adventures, the one that I wrote after our work during the course of RPG writer workshop. So in the novels, her name is Yvain. I am pretty sure it's, I know she's in In the Heart of the Forest and right now I'm like blanking on her name and the adventure because I have to kind of change it at the last minute. Um, but so I just had this vision of this um, woman kind of standing around 11 wood woods where she's like just sacrificed her lover to the Woodwoods and like she is the kind of last bastion for this forest. Um, and then that scene came about towards the end of my first novel, Buried Heroes, differently, but it's still, um, it's still a moment of, of sacrifice and of parting. But I wanted that moment to be one of extreme unity more so than just focusing on the loss and division and like that was just kind of the feeling that I got from the scene so it was it was fun to see it I, I ended up writing it out for the adventure a lot faster than I ended up writing it out for for the novel it was almost you know like six months mm -hmm. separated at, at least but that you know the emotion and then the the kind of surrounding fallen forest were was the same for the two so I'm curious then, so like do you, I don't suppose you have, like, have any sort of particular tips to writing, well, again, because hearing that it sounds like a very sort of like cinematic moment. Mm -hmm. And and how, how how do you necessarily bring that out in, in a, a adventure format? Uh, is it is it just, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> um, that's such a, that's such a good question. Um, so for, hmm, I think bringing it out in an adventure format, taking care with the kind of setup text mm -hmm. and then making sure that the DM has access to the character's motivations mm -hmm. to me should kind of create this really dramatic moment in game where you have things kind of coming to a head and this kind of emotional, uh, an emotional climax to the adventure that tends to have some sort of ideally um, combat or a, a, a social encounter aspect to it where things are, you know, you've got this big reveal or you are understanding this moment about this character that the that the PC is involved with. And so I think if you if we get the the details to the DM for here's what's driving this person and kind of here's what they're willing to give up or sacrifice for that thing. Um, and then you can let that kind of sit with however the PC is going to react. Yeah, I can, I can imagine especially uh... I, I, again, I don't know if 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 speaking from experience, but are uh, do it adventures are they more or less likely to go off 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 the beaten path? <laughs> but yeah, no. I so if I'm DMing them, yes, they're very likely <laughs> to go off the beaten path, and so I I really feel like it depends on the table because mm -hmm. we have some people who follow the adventures kind of piece by piece um whereas like Jonathan and I have both started campaigns I started running Descent into Avernus he started running Curse of Strahd where we uh, he almost immediately just left it behind I like made it through a couple chapters I was so proud of myself and then I was like okay we're we're set up now here we go into the unknown um and so that was really fun but Duet campaigns are so focused on the individual PC that to me, it seems like it would be really likely to kind of go off the beaten path. And that's why we're working on our first kind of full length one-on-one -on -one campaign right now. And we have a, a linear structure for the first part and then we're working on a nodal structure. But that's still something that we're trying to figure out is how do we 
set up the characters in such a way that people have lots of different options for the class that they're bringing to the table, but are still kind of headed toward these climactic moments and scenes without just sticking them on like this is the one linear path and 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 so that is that is kind of hard we have the first three adventures we published on dm's guild or three of the first adventures we published on dm's guild are the crystalline curse trilogy and so they kind of lead to this big decision point for the pc and then what we had imagined happening after that was okay now you're set up you've started your dui campaign congratulations go forth and take the story wherever you want to go. Some people have totally done that. And I love hearing that. Like we started our own campaign based on this. And that's really exciting for me because that's how our campaign started too. But then other people are like, what's next in the story? And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that you would want me to keep going with this story. And so that's what I'm working on right now as a follow-up adventure to that. But that's, that's a really key question. And I'm, I'm curious to see, I hope that we are getting more and more, and I, we are getting more designers in the kind of one-on-one space, but as we have more people playing D&D in this way, as there are more adventures and designers kind of coming into this space, I'm hoping to see where that could take us. Yeah, no, I, I, it sounds very much like equivalent of like, you know, you've, 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 you've had this pet for so long and you finally let it off the leash going, go run free. And it's still sitting there next to you going, yeah, I don't No, I'm not done yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I, 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 I guess I'm fascinated as well. And from what you mentioned earlier about going back to first blush to kind of address uh, some of the feedback. Um, do you, I, don't, I don't suppose you mind mentioning, like, what are some of the things that you kind of felt you needed to change about it? Sure. So when we first published the adventure, like, I'll, I'll go way back to like initial mistakes. Um, So DMs Guild, you're not supposed to publish things from like homebrew worlds. So we thought we were creating functionally a setting neutral space because it wasn't our homebrew world. Looking back, it's like, duh, you're, you know, set it in the forgotten realms. That's what I wish that we had done initially. So we revised that, grounded it in the forgotten realms. And, um, you know, it starts kind of near Amen. And then we moved it a little bit for first blush. And this, that's the revision that I'm working on now for second glance and third times the charm, taking it a little bit more north. And I wanted it to have at least the option of connecting to the Waterdeep campaign, as I think that, uh, I think Dragon Heist would have, would be really cool to run in a one-on-one format of, yeah. of all the published adventures. I think it would work really well, perhaps with without quite as much, tweak as much quite as much tweaking or revision as you you might need for one of the other adventures so that was kind of the goal there um we revised that there were a few scenes and places where we wanted things i think we'd set things to be more open than some of the dms running the adventures liked Mm -hmm. and and there was also a question of scale where people were a little bit less comfortable maybe of, you know, we, there were some PC deaths where they were not desired. And so it was like, okay, we can back off on this a little bit and making, there's a, there's one dungeon that we needed to make a little bit clearer because we could see it really, really well in our heads and, and knew what it looked like, but that coming across in the yeah. adventure was not as, it was not as crystal clear as it, as it should have been. And so reworking some of those things, we updated the maps. And so kind of some of those classic like initial mistakes that you, that you really don't know as a designer until you've put some things out. Um, 
we're both a little bit more free and loose with our DMing style, which I think lends itself to, I hope lends itself to fun and creative adventures, but some of the more, um, there are some DMs who are a little bit more literally minded or people who want to kind of follow, this is the thing that you've given me, this is the thing that I've bought, I wanna be able to follow it. And so at making things a, a bit more, either linear or more easily usable in that way were some of the other changes that we that we made yeah. I mean I, I think it's like it's perfectly natural to like as you're writing events you write in your own DMing style it's, it's just kind of mm -hmm. how you do it and then eventually once you kind of put it out in front of people people are like oh I, 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 I'm missing I'm missing some gaps or you know or <laughs> what have you as a fat um yeah it, 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 it's that weird thing of like I guess you, you have to kind of move or adjust your DMing style to be more more I guess more central in that case of like accommodating for everyone and and that can mm -hmm. that can take a little bit of balancing because yeah there are other people who do want the as you kind of mentioned the, these kind of almost like incremental steps of like okay well, now yeah. you've slain the dragon you can have the horde or you know the horde of gold <laughs> and and now you need to return to the village you know and, and... <laughs> exactly so then moving go to, to talk a little bit more about your creative process um is there any particular part of, of the whole process that is is like a standout favorite part? So the initial kind of idea creation that incubation phase in the process is one of my favorites when you're just, um, it it's like kind of wading into the, the story or the scene or the setting or a particular character and figuring things out as you go. So any point in the writing process where I'm hitting a moment of discovery or like a, you know, I love that. That's like, that's what I write for is, is those moments when you figure something out. And the lovely thing about that is I think that it can be really surprising. If you are surprised as the designer or the writer, it's going to come across, or it's probably going to come across as surprising in a cool way to the people at, at the table and, or, you know, reading the book, whichever it is. And so that's, that's almost always my favorite part. I also love revision and the language polishing that comes with that where you can add in a few more details about a particular setting or playing with the wording that a character uses to make it really suited to their personality and um, playing with with metaphors some at that point so that sort of polishing tweaking and sometimes it is bigger of like moving huge set pieces around but it's such a satisfying moment of getting to ask the questions and taking something from you know, you have good pieces and then like how do I make this great and I love that part of it yeah no I I, I almost like uh it, it feels like sometimes when you're almost like troubleshooting like a part of an adventure it does feel like almost like it's it's completing a puzzle that you yourself have set and and it's yeah. really kind of satisfying to kind of yeah where everything kind of slots into place and you see that like that you know everything takes shape as to have that sort of like this is oh this is how I'm gonna do it and and then you, you, <laughs> you type away with like a sort of you know a, a flurry of, of of way too many <laughs> words per second and then you have to go through and obviously fix all the errors because mm -hmm. you're typing too fast. <laughs> um, no, I, I, yeah, and yeah, I I I do, I do like the um the sort of I guess the 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 uh, the like the polishing I was about to call it the fluff um but I think it was, <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah I, I I do notice there are times where at least in my particular writing style I do get caught a little bit too much with the fluff too soon um just because mm. sometimes it's fun uh, it, you gotta have give yourself those little sort of like fluff treats along the adventure writing path to yes. kind of keep you um 
on the on the other side of the coin then um is there any parts of the project that kind of stand out as a bit like oh <laughs> yes so when i hit the like 50 percent in like the initial drafting of something i tend to get really mired down so that kind of long middle 50 to 80 85 percent when i know where i'm going and you know i'm having to fill back in the places that i skipped initially because i wasn't as excited about them mm -hmm. but then have decided this needs to be here this is important and so then kind of digging deep to figure out what what needs to be there or what's going to make it feel more exciting and because you know the if we're looking at it as a roller coaster, the dips are just as important as the as the heights. I just you know tend to write for the heights and then have to go back. So that yeah, fifty to eighty five percent. I feel like it take. I feel like it takes so long, in part because I've done most of the discovering, and sometimes I'll find something in in part of that and that's usually when they get turning again is the discovery kind of comes back and like oh yes and and can kind of go from there so actually so funny enough with him earlier you mentioned that how as you come up with the sort of ideation part um you mentioned that sometimes you kind of refer back to kind of like a, a like a template of sorts um hmm. is this kind of a template that you've kind of developed yourself or is this kind of um it was I came about a little bit um, from some of the resources from RPG Writing Workshop, as well as some of the adventures we put together. So Jonathan and I have a Patreon for D&D Duet and um, put together adventures every single month, a one-shot adventure every month. And so I tend to go back to that template to where at least I have, and, and some of it is just like me not wanting to fight with Microsoft Word. <laughs> uh, like it has things formatted in the right way. So, okay, I have an idea for this. Um, oh gosh, now I'm, I'm so excited that I like blinked on other things. Anyway, you have like the little block of the, like a random rolling table, for example, yep. that's already formatted. So I'm not having to fight with the, with the word formatting software to put like one through eight and get the ideas down for that when I have them. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's as much about form meeting with function as it is the you know, okay, well, this is how we've paced adventures in the past and those sorts of things. So I'm curious, is there anything that kind of um, stands out in the sort of template that you have that is kind of bespoke tailored for uh, duet style adventures? Yes, so we, um, at the, the text at the beginning is almost always the same in them. And um, we like to let the DM know some kind of tips for scale and things like that along the way. Mm -hmm. And we've added in, uh, I think it was James and Dracasa who first was talking about this. It was a couple of years ago on Twitter, but adding in brackets for DM notes. Mm -hmm. And so we've added those. And as we've you know written more adventures and gotten more feedback from DMs about how an adventure went or a moment when they wanted a little bit more help. And so those sort of scaling notes of, hey, yeah, we have eight werewolves running toward your party right now. If you just have one PC, that's too many. However, how whatever level that they are yeah. because of the action economy. And so scale it down to four werewolves. It's still going to be exciting, but, and, and so it's notes like that that we like to leave for the DM kind of along the way. Whereas um, I, I think in a normal adventure, you would have that if a PC is lying, for example, this if they ask this question, this is how they'll say it. This is a lie, here's what's actually going on. Yeah. So we have those things too, but adding in notes on scale or RP or just some kind of help for for the DM. 
Yeah, I can. I again, uh, my my mind goes straight back to that. If I were like running a one on one style adventure, I feel like I I would I would need a good amount of like information about the PC before even mm -hmm. running, just to kind of try and my best to kind of like tailor it all the way through. Um, is that I? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, again, it, it, it's such like it's a fascinating format, just because it, it feels like yeah. you know D and D is 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 you, D, when you imagine it, it is very much like the sort of like there is an entire group of adventurers, but being able to sort of yeah have that sort of like more uh, intimate uh, sort of playstyle and stuff like that is yeah no it's 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 amazing and yeah again in 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 times of these gestures. <laughs> Uh, I think yeah, it, it's it's fascinating to kind of see the sort of uptick in interest in in these sort of duet style adventures. Um, yeah, and um, if I can add I really fast too, yes. I think that one of the really important things about the the duet style adventures is to set the player up to be really active. Mm. Um, we think of it as like if you have DM and player and players on kind of opposite ends of a pole in duet style, they're kind of both coming towards each other where the DM, because of their DMPC and trying to bring the world to life, there's an extra amount of things kind of resting on their shoulders. And it just needs to be super collaborative between the two. So the player needs to take a little bit more charge than they mm -hmm. normally might in helping the, the narrative progress. And that's part of how I think things can get off the rails so fast as <laughs> if the player is used to adding in more things well, there they go, and oh, <laughs> you're just kind of running to catch up. And, and then the, for the DM, there's some more playery aspects where they are depending on this other person to kind of help them create the world. And so I think that's a really cool and exciting part of one-on-one -on -one play, but but that's another one of those things to, to keep in mind with the design is, and those moments of keeping things open versus closed, where do you need to lean on the mechanics and where do you not yeah I, and, yeah i guess it goes back to the introducing a a dmpc and maybe mm -hmm. not a uh again not like a like a, a very commanding character because then it feels like well it's just you know me and me and my character and the other player who is kind of just listening to me twice <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> um no incredible um so across everything that you've kind of done then uh, we kind of spoke about like um some of the kind of narrative beats that you're kind of particularly proud of is there like a, a singular design choice that you've intentionally made that you're particularly proud of? Hmm. Um, that's such a good question. Um, like just in creating something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like okay. I, I maybe in, in one of the, one of the particular adventures, just, just something that like, just I don't know, everything about it clicks. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's this adventure that I wrote as part of an anthology, um, Blood Ties, yeah. that I reworked and published in um, as a one-on-one -on -one adventure, Totems of the Spalage Woods, and and set in Barovia. Ah. And the the creature that I made, so I made a Lashen as the like this is the big bad in the adventure, and just the mechanics of his combat style, like if he rolls well and is you know played kind of to his max ability he's like a party killer all by himself and like having such a at the end of a darker adventure having such a powerful creature that is so dependent on his environment as well as like how ferocious the the dm is feeling in that <laughs> moment was really like satisfying and i don't know designing that i mean like oh yes <laughs> i was a little bit surprised because i 
I tend to be when when we're playing, I have a lot more experience as the player and one-on-one than I do as as the DM besides our kind of writing and design. And a lot of the advice comes out of things I've learned from watching Jonathan or kind of those moments where we've had a hitch in our in our game together. How can I help other people avoid that? Um but then uh, this was really coming from the flip side. Like when I first started DMing, I was really hesitant to run the monsters as powerfully as I could. Cause I'm like, no, I don't want to hurt the, the characters. <laughs> but then, but I don't know, it, was, it felt like a growth moment of figuring out how would this, how would a particular creature be potentially really devastating in a one-on-one sort of environment. So it was kind of coming full circle as a designer of, I'm not just encouraging someone to create a really cool, powerful or slightly enhanced in terms of power PC to to run around in this world, this is the same thing before the creature. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, what, are there any sort of like standout abilities? Like what, what, what makes it so deadly? Um, so I gave him the assassinate ability and like, he, you know, so at that moment that he can surprise the party, mm-hmm. um, but it that's kind of the inevitability of that adventure is that they're going to run into the Lashen and that they can decide to, or he's going to find them. And mm-hmm. so that was another one of the things that I thought was really exciting. Um, but he, I don't know if it was Misty Step or something like that. Maybe it was just like the, it is an incredible amount of movement. And so that and a high stealth combined with the assassinate, like it was, it was, it's simple in, in the design, but put together with, you know, maybe maybe you have the PC, a DMPC, and then the main NPC of the adventure is still going to be potentially super challenging, but also I hope fun for the the player to figure out, oh my gosh, this person just killed our little guide. What do I do? Yeah. And I thought that could be a really cool challenge. No, yeah, I think again, there's, there's there there is like there is that moment when you come into an encounter and the moment like the damage dice is rolled. And the DMs mm-hmm. like they do thirty-seven damage. You're like, oh, that's that's a lot. That's that's that, that's yeah. more than I was prepared for. <laughs> and then it, it immediately changes, like rechanges, like your plan because you're just like, this is not something we can just hack and slash our way through anymore. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask as well. So looking at your um, catalog on, on the DM field, you've also uh, dabbled a little bit with subclasses. Yes, I have. I have two druid subclasses on there, and um, I keep meaning there's another one or two that I, I keep meaning to, to put up. And then I also, I really want to create a an adapted demon hunter, like from Diablo Ranger subclass that, and I, I've started all three of those things of, um, for, the, for the Ranger, for example, I wanted to figure out a way for, instead of them being magical, for them to be more reliant on setting traps and kind of having, um, maybe having potions, maybe not, I don't know. But in, if you took away a ranger's magic, but wanted to give them the same sense of abilities mm-hmm. by um, by their, you know, myriad accessories, what would that look like? Yeah, I must admit, was it the, the uh, demon hunter from Diablo is, is particularly iconic as well. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of uh, the, the flurry of bolts. <laughs> so mm-hmm. They, they, they ro- tumble and roll through the thing. Um, so I'm guessing with with writing two druid subclasses, I'm, is that is that something of like revealing your preference in terms of? <laughs> yes, yeah. It, almost all my adventures involve druids or are adjacent to druids. I just I love them. I think they're so interesting, and so yeah, they they tend to come up a lot. But the 
Um, the one I wanted to have like a really light, almost radiant base druid. And then the other one is more designed for an urban environment. And I, I wanted to kind of play with what that looks like as well as challenge the, I think there's that stereotype of like the lone shaman in the forest who's yeah. just, you know, very serene and put away like, no, I want a like sparkly, interesting urban druid who recognizes that people are just as much part of the environment that, you know, that she's running into every day as yeah. the birds, animals, trees, whatever it is that that's around. So I guess I'm curious. So what was the kind of the, the, I guess, impetus behind the subclasses? Was it a case of like, it started with one of the adventures and you're like, oh, this is a cool character or yeah. Um, the um, Circle of Sunlight one did, she, it started as an NPC that I, when I was DMing um, for the two of us and then later kind of spurred on to, um, an adventure. So that's how that one started. And then the other, um, Jonathan was going to DM for me and a couple other people, um, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And I wanted a, an urban druid and I couldn't quite, I, I got a little stuck on deciding which of the subclasses I thought would fit her the best. And so designed the subclass for her instead. I mean, that is the kind of thing like, well, nothing works. I'm just going to make my own thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, yeah, I must admit, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I've been to the but I just, I, I do, I do really love the design of Forty Dragon Heist. Just, just the mm -hmm. flow of that adventure, it just feels, it feels so, so different. Um, it yeah. almost feels, again, it almost feels cosmopolitan in adventuring, <laughs> which, which, yes. which, um, it's, yeah, no, I, again, and, and I think that's probably why in, in the grand scale of everything that I've done, nine times out of ten, it probably does return to Waterdeep. <laughs> <laughs> so, then I guess to kind of round off your um, your design process and everything as a whole then, um, you touched on this a little bit towards the start, but are there any sort of like key lessons that you kind of wish you'd learned just, just a, a little sooner? Yeah, I wish I had seen the wealth of lore in the Forgotten Realms as well as the published adventures and everything for the treasure trove that they are instead of getting some of the things I got kind of frustrated by with like the way that it's um some of the things in the world seem like kind of deus ex machina ish to me or I I felt frustrated that like you know it's it's just about the characters moving around the world the world doesn't always feel like it's moving in spite of them like if nobody does anything what's going to happen so uh, I wish that I had um instead of getting kind of stuck or frustrated on those things, embraced and just like pulled from the the wealth of lore about the Forgotten Realms. Some of that was like crankiness on my part. And some of that was just, there's so much information and then that can be really overwhelming too. And it, I don't know, I, I felt like, okay, if I take information that's already there and accidentally mess it up, some amorphous like blob of people are going to be really yeah. frustrated with me. The, the law wizards. Oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and of course that hasn't happened. And maybe at some point it does, that's okay. Um, but I would rather be creating things that are easier for new DMs to, to pull from. And so that's been, um, I got a little delayed in my revision of, we've got these like three adventures that go together, um, Second Glance and Third Times the Charm, so adventures two and three in those. And so I've been hearing from DMs running the adventures, like, hey, we're noticing these, um, setting inconsistencies. I'm like, I know, I promise I'm, I'm working on it. I'm hoping to get that up um, like this weekend and or next or something. And um, it's been one of them was like, I'm a new DM. I did all this research. Here's where I think it makes sense for this to go. And it was the same place I'd been thinking about, but it was just like, 
this is so cool. Like you're going to do such a good job running your duet game because you put in all of this work and effort into getting this ready for your, um, I think he was running it for either his, his girlfriend or his wife. I can't remember, but anyway, you, you've done all this work on your end as the DM to kind of put things on. And it was really important for me to kind of, I don't know, recognize that you're not doing it alone as a game designer. Like you're helping someone else do their own creative work and, and processing and everything. And that was just like so fun and encouraging for me for a new DM to like have found this really cool web website that's like a map of the Forgotten Realms where they can click on the different lore and things. And yeah. It was awesome. No, yeah, no, I I, I thought this, sort of, this, this, this kind of stories are also sort of heart, heart, heartwarming. It's like, oh, they, they, yeah. they, 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 they took all the effort through. Um, are there any, um, I guess, uh, how have you found the process of taking a, a sort of setting agnostic adventure and, and kind of placing it? Because again, it, I, tr like looking at the map of the Forgotten Realms and just with a pin to be like, I guess here? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine it being a simple task. Yeah, it, um, some of it was kind of, we've got the, the Sword Coast Adventures guide. So it was like pouring through that and I was like, okay, I know I need a forest, but I need that forest to have a body of water near it or <laughs> stuff like that. And so it was a little overwhelming and certainly a process of trial and, and error. Mm -hmm. um, but it now that I have like once after making the first decision, which I think that was the hardest part of instead of going from some of sort of amorphous space, choose a place and then fitting everything else around it. Um, and in subsequent adventures that hasn't been the that hasn't been a problem so much. Um, the adventure I wrote with RPG Writer Workshop was more setting agnostic too, but I, I was better able to kind of have some suggestions of here are some places where this you could set this or this type of environment. And it wasn't as dependent on being in an exact location, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah, I think, and it's the funny thing of like, as you kind of go through and, and you end up with uh, a, a good amount of lore for a very small mm. part of the sort, the sort coast is about, or, <laughs> or you know, the the forgotten realms as a whole, and, and sometimes again, I I I I found this with I wrote an adventure about um a, one of one, a dead god basically, um I think it's Tai Chi, and now anytime I write about any, I feel the need to just write in just a little little, little reference somewhere because I've done all this research <laughs> and I'll be right. damned if I don't like crowbar it in at every, <laughs> every opportunity but oh I, you know you know the story of Tai Chi right and then <laughs> that's the paragraph done <laughs> actually I, I just realized, are there any sort of like uh, like small tidbits of law that kind of stand out in, in your research oh that's a that's a good question too um I going back to Waterdeep and this isn't this is more a project that is it's very much in the kind of initial phases but I would love to write more things for Waterdeep or like the city around it but I'm fascinated by the city of the dead um the like and the floaty lights that come over like some of the the way that the that Waterdeep embraces and kind of brings to life one just a city I it it makes a city feel real in such a way that I don't know that I would have believed possible for a, like for a, an RPG setting. And so like, that was really cool. Um, but in addition to that, just kind of the embrace of inexplicable magic in a particular place, that's not too much, like it, it's been really well thought through, but these are effects that they're not hurting anybody, but they're just kind of sitting there. Mm -hmm. Or the, um, 
the alley where people like float through the air and dance. Yeah. Like, um, I I've started on. I haven't finished it yet, but I I wanted to design like a like date night sort of little baby one shots in Waterdeep, where it's oh, more nice. like, okay, you've got an hour to play. Where would you Where would you go on a date in Waterdeep? Because it's such a romantic city, mm-hmm. and so those have been really fun to play with too. And and so I think it's I don't know that that's like Forgotten Realms wide yeah. exploration, but some of those little details I love. Yeah, no, again, just yeah, the same way of like yeah, reading about the the sort of what is it? There's there's also an alley where uh, there's a I think it's rude rude stroll. Who's like a ghost who touches like if if he touches you, um, you learn a secret, potentially. Yeah. If, if, uh-huh. if you survive, which is <laughs> one of those like I, I just wouldn't go down that alleyway. I just I, if right. I lived in Waterdeep, I would I would take the long way around every time just because I don't want to. <laughs> Not worth it. Yeah. No. Also, no. Incredible. Um, and I so I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit then. So is 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 this kind of Waterdeep date night thing? Um that's kind of something that's in the works but beyond that are there any sort of particular dream projects or anything that you kind of have uh, yes so i'm i have started the water deep project the next like big release is and i'm it's Baywild for Ray. I've, it's just a project I've been like stuck on for a little while. Like I got stuck in the writing process of it and it keeps getting bigger. And so that becomes problematic in its own way. But I intended for that to be kind of the follow-up to the Crystal and Curse trilogy. And so I'm really excited about that. And that that's connected to like my, my dream project. I have, I think two. Um, my dream project in terms of like things for DMs Guild or related to like Wizards of the Coast work would be um, a like Feywild setting and adventure book that's just like really embracing the magic of this space. Um, and I would love to see play between like the Feywild and the Shadowfell because I think those are the two spaces and like all the lore realms with the creatures that I'm the most fascinated by. But I would just love to see like more more of the denizens of of the Feywild. And I like playing with the different courts and things like that. Um, and then kind of expanding beyond that, my other dream project would be something that kind of brings together flora and fauna of a particular place or setting or something that has um, like lore and backstory behind it, as well as useful stat blocks, crafting details, um, maybe an NPC or two who like could tell you about these places. And so kind of playing with that and, and bringing together lots of different pretend plants and their uses. So almost like a, like a druid's guide to a particular space or place that is um, unique and interesting with beautiful art that is like fun to just kind of sit and flip through as well as useful at the table. Yeah, no, I, I, the, the, the druid strikes again, it seems. <laughs> no, but no, a hundred, yeah, I, I like, I particularly when it comes to like the Feywild, I, I feel like, the small tidbits you get within kind of like the player's handbook and uh, Dungeon Master, it's like, I feel like it doesn't quite capture the the whimsical nature of Fae. And mm-hmm. I feel like, again, it, it's hard to get across that this this world is like ours, but it's like amped up to 10. There's like weird yeah. flowers all over the place. Um, and there's, yeah, people the same way with like um, any com- any times of like flowers or herbalism. There is nine times of then there is always that play of like, can I make a potion out of this? What, what happens if I eat this? Yeah. Or, you know. I put it under my tongue, then what happens? 
<laughs> yeah, no, it, it's not always nice to have yeah, an NPC on hand to be like, well, now that you've placed it under your tongue, uh, we have to go find you a medic. <laughs> we have about 10 minutes. <laughs> no, also, again, both of those sounds like sort of like um, super awesome products. And I, yeah, I do like this sort of like all in ones. Like, again, the fact that it's like all encompassing, like it's your go to mm -hmm. book for like herbalism on the go. Um, yeah. And just to kind of like be able to like, oh, well, this is a, you know, uh, a particularly um, flora rich area. And then, you know, people are mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to find some plants of some kind. And now you have a, a book to hand to kind of tackle that. Yeah. Oh, good. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, uh, fantastic. No, again, I, I, again, uh, probably like it's it's a case of like in the horizon soon. Um, of, I hope so, yeah. No. So talking a little bit more then about uh, the tabletop RPG community as a whole, um, and you know, the DMs Guild, I get the DMs Guild within the tabletop community, there's like a series mm -hmm. of umbrellas. <laughs> uh, is, are, there, are there some people that you kind of want to shout out as being particularly inspiring? Yes, um, I I love this question. I think it's so cool. Um, so I'm going to start cheesy first, and then I have a more specific answer. But like the DMs Go community as a whole, in and of itself, is a constant source of inspiration for me because I see you know these projects that I would never have dreamed of or conceptualized that have been beautifully put together. The amount of collaboration I think is so cool. But one of the things that is a lesson I've been learning over the past year as as a writer is like lean into what it is that you do that's special as well as like what's really exciting for you. So for me, if I get stuck in my fiction, for example, and need something to happen, I lean into like wolves, fae, druidy things, something along those lines, because the people who like my books will love those things. Yeah. And I think the same holds true for D&D. &D. So instead of trying to like, okay, what's something different than what I've done because that was I think where I got stuck at sometimes before where you're trying to kind of remake the mold um, of yourself instead of like no lean into and embrace the things that you care about and the things that are unique to you because that's where you're really going to find like your ideal readers players and dms and yeah. so the dms guild community is a constant reminder of that for me of just seeing the wide variety of creative projects that people are putting together. Um, and then more specifically, um, Lisa Penrose and Ashley Warren are like two of my very favorite and most inspiring people in, in the community as a whole. I love the all the different interesting work that Lisa is doing to kind of boost, boost individual designers and support the community, boosting the brand of, of DMs Guild and One Bookshelf and kind of Look, re-looking at something that already exists and figuring out, okay, well, how can we do this better? Or how can we do more of things that we're kind of lacking in? I think that that's, that's really cool. And I, I also love the way that she has been like branching out from like just D&D &D things where I, like if we, you know, if you're just looking at her Twitter presence, for example, like you get these cool witchy things and these other more personal things. And I just, um, that sense of like allowing people to to know you in a in a broader scale I think is really really special and then all the work that Ashley Warren is doing for designers and and fostering more creators coming into the community um, as and keeping that abundance mindset and keeping that abundance mindset like really on the forefront of what's going on in the community I think is so important and and inspiring and I 
just love it. And, and I mean, she too, branching from RPG Writers Workshop to the, storytell the Storytelling Collective and some of the different um, projects that they've done. Like I worked with her in September on Short Story September. And so we got to work with some of the, I got to work with some of the writers more individually and that was really cool and special. And um, I don't know, yeah, th those would be the community as a whole. And then those two people specifically. No, I, yeah, I, I, again, it's ridiculous. I can't, I can't disagree. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, it is always fascinating, especially you see the people on the DMs Guild who lean into their strengths and, and they find their sort of, their, their, their niche uh, and seeing every, like every product just knock it out of the park, you know, time after time. Yes. Um, and that that's kind of always inspiring in itself. And yeah, obviously both um, uh, Lisa and Lisa and Hannah, obviously the sort of like gates open, everyone come on in, like the way they sort mm -hmm. of like um, champion our, our hobby and, and kind of beyond and kind of encourage, again, so many people who wouldn't have even considered it if, you know, if yes. they hadn't kind of paved the way. It's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Oh, it's, it's lovely. Um, then I guess to chat a little bit more about you then, um, what, are, what are you currently working on? And as like a, a two part of that question, where can people hear about it? Because again, that, that's okay. the important part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I have a couple of projects in the works right now. Um, I'm working on, um, through our Patreon, we're doing the, a vampire campaign. And so um, I'm working on a prequel adventure for that one to kind of get from like level one to level three when you are popping into this like vampire-y space. And so um, any of the D&D work people can find out about at Um, If you want the like initial adventures that we're releasing for that, we're on patreon.com slash Gregardian Press. Um, I'm also working on Feywild Foray, which will, my goal is like before the end of March that it appears on DMs Guild. So that's like, Fingers crossed that that happens. Um, I'm also working on the third novel in my um, Age of Zuria fantasy series. Um, and so it will be, it's coming out later this year. I don't have a date for it yet. Um, it's going to my editor at the at the end of March. And so those are kind of my projects at, at the moment. I just finished revising my um, third novella for the series and it's coming out, I think June 1st. Um, it's called Story Magic. It's going to be lovely. I had so much fun. I don't know. I, I had a lot of like play and fun writing that one. So lots of different things. I'm on Twitter at Grove Guardian and then um, on, oh my gosh, on Instagram at DD Duet. And then my husband does our like DD Duet Twitter ing. And so that I help with that occasionally, but mostly that's, that's him. Like I said, so there will be links and uh, connections to everything. Yeah, so again, it sounds like March is a busy month for you. <laughs> I think so. I I think I maybe put too many things in March, so we'll see how it goes. But it's like spring is coming. That tends to bring with it like a burst of energy. So I'm hoping that all of the things fall into place and that I definitely haven't put too many things on my own schedule. That it's, never happened. <laughs> it's hoping for a calm <laughs> April just to kind of even things out just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, but thank you so much for taking some time to sit out. This, this, again, I, I, it's always the case, but the hour flies by, as as, as, yeah. as it wants to. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much. Uh, this, yeah, this, this has been a delight. Um, I guess uh, I've, I've been Matthew Whitby. Um, yeah, you can find me at Whitby Writes. Um, I've got some things that I can actually talk about now. Um, you can find uh, the Oath of the Hurler, which is a, uh, a throwing-based paladin subclass. Um, that is out and about. There will be a link in the bottom description uh, for people to check out. Um, and maybe some other things, uh, but I'm just going to leave it with that at the moment. Uh, so <laughs> my final question then in, in closing, um, Beth, how, how, how do you end a podcast?
Okay, I came up with a little phrase for this. And I hope, anyway, so I would say, thanks so much for joining us today. May all the inspiration find you with a pen or keyboard close at hand. Aww.